And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his servants, treated him shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. we've just heard there Jesus's parable likening the kingdom of heaven to a great wedding feast and the invites go out to different people and the twist in it the, the the surprising thing the paradox perhaps is that the people that are invited uh, don't want to go they have other things to do and so the invite goes out to other people instead now perhaps for you uh, the idea of being invited to something but actually not really wanting to go is actually not that surprising. It's called being an introvert. Maybe that's your experience often. Perhaps you've been in an experience like this. You know, your, your, your partner kind of says to you, oh, uh, next week, next Friday, I've got my uh, work's due. And so you're like, sure, fair enough, go for it. And you're already planning in your head what you're going to do with that evening to yourself. And then she says, oh, do you think you should get a new shirt for that? Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, sorry, you have got your works due with your colleagues who you and exclusively you from this household spend time daily with. At what point did I come into this equation? Why would I want to go to that? And then she says, well, well, everyone else's partner's invited. Oh, oh, that makes it oh, much better. What sort of sick social experiment is this? You get half of the room that know each other really well and half of the room that don't know each other at all. How much alcohol can we involve in this situation to ensure that anyone has a good time? I don't know, but let's find out. Is that what's going on here? And then she says, are you going to buy a new shirt or not? Welcome to the world of being an introvert. So maybe that's your thing of, of invites. But for all of us, Jesus has sent out this invitation. 
And in our city, we're thinking, well, if Jesus, I think the, the response of our city perhaps is, if Jesus is sending out an invite, that's not going to be something we want to go to. It's, we don't really care about him. We don't have that connection, just like me with that, not me, but that example, perhaps, with someone, I don't really care about them. I don't really know those people. And we think that about Jesus. If, if Jesus is inviting to something, it's not going to be that relevant to me. It's not going to be that enjoyable. And I think most in our city probably think as well, well, I've just got better things to do. I've got a different agenda. And actually, that's the uh, reasons that Jesus gives in his parable. He's kind of saying, the invites go out, but people are doing other stuff. One's to his farm and others to his business. Now, some are hostile, but most are just doing other things. And I think that's very typical of our city. We've got better things to do. We can imagine that, well, in a time gone past, maybe, people were more interested in what Jesus had to say. People didn't have as much to do, perhaps, on a Sunday. And so going to church, that was just a thing that people did. And they needed the church. They needed that institution to give them some structure to their otherwise boring lives. That's what happened generations ago. But now, now in cities like ours, we've got technology. We've got the ability, the education, the progressive outlook on life. We are busy pursuing our own agenda. We don't need other people. We don't need churches or Bibles to tell us what to do or what to say or what to wear or what to think. We've got Instagram for that now. No, no, no. We're busy pursuing our own agenda. We're busy building our businesses. Maybe we're busy pursuing our own creative niche. We're busy having coffee with friends. We're busy raising our kids. We're busy consuming content and listening to the latest ideas on podcasts. We're doing our TikTok videos. We're scrolling through YouTube. And also, we're, well, we're tackling social issues, tackling injustice, things like that. And when we're not doing that, we're relaxing. We're spending time on ourselves and perhaps with our friends as well on the beach or the golf course. We're relaxing. We're, we're, we're beating our times on Strava or whatever it is we're doing. We're doing, doing, doing. And when we're not doing, we're going through social media looking at what everyone else is doing in case we've missed out on something. We've been going through this series called Paradox about the kingdom of heaven. And it's maybe appropriate, maybe typical to ask the question, well, that's not really relevant. How is that relevant to me, this kingdom of heaven? It sounds very out there. But here's the thing. All of us, all of us in cities like ours are pursuing the kingdom. We might not be pursuing Jesus' kingdom, but this kingdom of heaven, the things that he's talking about is actually what people all around us are pursuing all the time. We're just doing it on our own terms. You walk through the North Lane, there's a lot of pursuing of the kingdom going on there. You go to a cafe in Hove, there's lots of pursuing of the kingdom happening there. You take your paddleboard down to shore and beach, pursuing of the kingdom is happening right there. How can I say that? Well, let's think, what is, this, what is this kingdom? What is it all about? Well, here's some features of it. It's a world without worry, complete peace, security. It's a world in harmony, no strife. There's equality, there's justice. It's a world where work is rewarding, it's, it's fulfilling. It's a world of enjoyment where pleasure is guilt-free and it doesn't end. And it's a world of beauty and creativity where there's no, no destruction. There's no decay. We want that. 
We want those things. Now, we're not unrealistic to think we can have all those things at once, but what we do is we pursue handfuls of it. We try and get a little peace here, a little security here. We try and have a, a little bit of beauty here, a little bit of enjoyment here as much as we can. And that is the orientation of our lives. That's what Western individualism is all about. That's the messages. We can have these things, pursue them, grab it while you can. These are all things of the kingdom. We don't need religion, but we still want the kingdom. We don't want this king, Jesus, but we still want the kingdom. My question, my question to you, if, that, if that's you, and you're listening to this right now, is how's that going for you? How's that going for you? Because I think when we look at it honestly, what's actually happening, we think of a city like ours, which sets itself ahead of the curve on all these things. We're educated, we're progressive, we have all these opportunities, we have all these freedoms, we're pursuing it. We can be whatever we want, do whatever we want. We're ahead of the curve, and yet we're also ahead of the curve on a number of other things. We're in the top five places in this country in terms of anxiety levels, in the top three in terms of suicide. If freedom and progressive vision and Western individualism is all that we needed, why are we struggling so much? Why is it taking such a toll on our mental health if these are all we needed? I think what perhaps, and my prayer is that people are waking up to the fact that actually this idea of pursuing the kingdom on our own terms, it's, it's elusive. We're told we can get it. We look around and other people seem to be getting these things and we try, we have a taste of it ourselves. We do, we have a taste of it. But making it last having lives that are full of meaning and purpose and satisfaction, we try and grasp it, but it seems to be something that slips through our fingers and we struggle with it. We struggle with our lives not being what we thought they would be. And the disappointment of that is leaving us to spiral into all sorts of difficulties. That is what's going on in cities like ours right now. And what Jesus has to say, he's come into the world. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into the world and he's saying what he is bringing is an invitation. It's not an exclusive club. He's saying it's an invitation. I'm bringing, I'm coming to you and sending out this invitation. You can have this kingdom if you come to me. And maybe, maybe you're watching this and my prayer is that you've got to the end of trying to pursue it, things on your own terms. Are you tired of just living for the next thing? And thinking that next house, that next promotion, that next business opportunity, that next relationship, that next night out, that next experience is going to be the ones that's going to bring all these things right home in a lasting way. Aren't you tired with that? Maybe Jesus' invitation to his kingdom starts to look a little bit more appealing to us. Maybe it's something we've overlooked but actually could have real meaning for us. And I want to spend the rest of the time making the positive case. I've made the, sort of the negative case against it, but the positive case of how Jesus' feast really is a feast, really is something that we can enjoy. But before I move on to that, I also want to speak to many of you who already have Christ. And you're thinking, well, this whole first section is not for me. I have Jesus. I don't pursue the world in, in, in the ways that other people do. But Think about this parable. In this parable, Jesus is, well, he really has the Pharisees in mind when he's telling it. He has these people, these religious leaders. Now, who were they? 
They were people who gave a nod to the things of heaven, but their pursuit was really of things of the world. They, they, they had their religion, but actually what they wanted was the same as everyone else wanted. They wanted money. They wanted security. They wanted recognition. They wanted reputation. They wanted power over people. And they were pursuing those things. They said, oh, we want the kingdom of God, but actually they wanted kingdom of themselves. Friends, even those of us with Christ are prone to that. I know I am. You're praying, well, I have Jesus. I know Jesus has forgiven me. I know I've got my life with him. But then we're prone to be swayed. I want, I want this. I want to build this kingdom on myself. And we think about our workplaces or our home life or the things that we're pursuing. Oh, if I just had this, then everything would be okay. If I just had this promotion, if my kids just behaved, then everything would, peace would come into my life. Or whatever it is. For you, we can still operate in that way rather than say, saying, well, Jesus, it's your kingdom first. No, we still want to build our kingdoms, don't we? We're still prone to that. I think this parable hopefully is a reorientation for us, a corrective to remind us that when we came to Christ, we gave up building our own kingdom. We said all for you, Jesus, and giving it all to you. I want to put your kingdom first. And maybe somewhere along the line, we, we let that other kingdom, the kingdom of self, the selfish kingdom, come in and take us on a different path. No, reorientate your life again. No, Jesus first. Jesus first in my work, in my home life, in my friendships, just with myself. Seek first his kingdom. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. And that's something for the whole, the whole of life. So let me speak now about how Jesus' kingdom really is a feast really something that we can enjoy. And now this might be something that's, well, how, how, can, how can Jesus do that? What does Jesus know about our desires and meeting our desires? We have desires for stuff. We have desires for tangible things. And we get this idea sometimes that, well, Christianity, spirituality is all about, well, suppressing desires. Jesus doesn't want your desires. Jesus wants you to suppress your desires and do spiritual stuff instead. Well, let, let's think about who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Now, Jesus comes into the world. If we think about Jesus isn't interested in the physical, we're not reading the Bible because Jesus come in. He's become physical. He's become a physical man, walked on this earth. And you know what happens when Jesus walked on this earth? People said to him, oh, he's a glutton and a drunkard. They got it wrong, but what they were pointing to, the fact that he enjoys people's company, he's enjoying food, he's enjoying wine. And, and he's, he's enjoying the tangible things of life. Do you know, listen to this. The eternal kingdom of heaven, when you, if you get there through Christ and you see Jesus face to face, what's he going to do? He's going to hand you a glass of wine. You can look that up. Matthew 26. He says that. He's, his disciples are sitting around at the Last Supper and he says to them, in the eternal kingdom, we'll be drinking wine together. We'll be enjoying a feast together. There is an eternity and it's full of having your desires satisfied with good and rich food. Listen to this from Isaiah 55. I think it characterizes it so much, this invitation from Jesus and what it's like. Eternity is a feast. It says this, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money 
for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy. That's what I was talking about earlier. Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Jesus doesn't offer a meager meal. He offers a feast. Now, there definitely is a, a tone in the New Testament in these letters to these Christians that say, no, there is a feast of eternity, a feast of heaven that's waiting there for you. And life is going to be difficult and it's have its challenges. But the feast that you're going to enjoy with Jesus forever, the abundance that you're going to have is worth it all. That is definitely an aspect of the gospel. And that's what I've really been talking about there. No, no, Jesus is offering us something tangible, something real, something eternally and eternally satisfying with him. But we don't have to wait, wait for that. Actually, what this kingdom, we can, we can receive something of it right now as well. There is a feast to be had today as well. Let me say more about that. Because if you don't have Christ... I know in my life when I wasn't living for Jesus, well, what you have to do is you have to wake up each day and you have to justify your existence. You are responsible for bringing joy and happiness and peace and security in your life. And the world around you tells you you can do it. So that's a burden that's on you. And as I've said, many people are finding that a burden that's too hard to bear and it's having its toll on people. But you see, if you have Christ... You wake up in the morning, you have a different experience. What you can enjoy, you can enjoy a feast before breakfast because you can open your Bible and you can read about the truth of a God who is a father who loves you, of a savior who's come into the world to die on a cross for you and rise again for you so that you can have new and abundant life. You can be, that's the feast that's laid before us in the gospel of Jesus. There is a mound of forgiveness at the table of Jesus. You can eat it and eat it and eat it. I come back to the table again and again every day. That's the experience of a Christian. Come back to the table every day and get forgiven again. This side play and side play about acceptance and value and significance that comes from God. That God is faithful to me. I eat that again. Take it into my soul. It nourishes my soul. This huge flasks, gallons and gallons of grace in the gospel that the Christian can enjoy. It's laid all out for us in Christ. You want meaning in life. You want a sense of destiny. You want a sense of purpose. You need to see Christ and what he's done for you. It brings it all into your soul. I have a God who cares about me. I don't have to get up in the morning, go out to work or go into my relationships or whatever and try to wrestle for my position. I know God loves me already. He's loved me first. He's shown he's loved me by the cross of Jesus Christ. I've found that peace already. It just brings us into a whole different realm. I don't have to furiously build my own kingdom. Is it good enough? No, no, Jesus invited me into his kingdom where I can enjoy the feast of forgiveness, acceptance, love, grace, mercy, purpose, meaning, the faithfulness of God that underpins everything that I do in life. And when I fall, I just fall more into his grace and his forgiveness. Have you tasted that? I, I can't imagine just my life going back to 
not having that in my life. Once you've tasted the sweetness of being forgiven, being set free, knowing your eternity, I could never go back. The taste is so sweet and it's laid out for us in Christ. Friends, if you are a Christian, this is what you have. Have you come to the table today? Have you taken of what Christ has given for you, sacrificed for you to have? And we come back day after day after day and enjoy the delights of the gospel, this feast of the kingdom that is ours in Christ. Now, before I finish today, it's so important that I really make clear, well, how do you get there? How do you access this feast, this feast of the kingdom? And actually, if you're listening to the passage as it was read out a minute ago, there's a kind of curious incident at the end that seems rather bizarre, but actually, that is the key to the whole thing. That's how we get in. What it talks about, it talks about someone who seems to be at this wedding feast, but they're in the wrong clothes. They've not got a wedding garment on. What is that about? You see, for most of us in the culture that we live in, to be at a wedding or be at a function and you're in the wrong clothes, well, that's probably, that's, that's an embarrassing anecdote. That, that's nothing more than that. But in this culture, to not have a wedding garment on, that would be an affront to the host. That would be offensive. It's, it would be kind of like being at the North Stand at the Amex, wearing a palace shirt. It's not just that you're in the wrong clothes. You're, you're, you're saying something. It's an affront to everyone else around. And what this is about is actually to enter God's holy feast if we are not dressed appropriately. In other words, if we've got our rags of sin on, if our clothes are stained with the mess of our lives, then we've not got no place being there. We, we can't get in. That's inappropriate. If you've not got this royal, holy wedding garment on, this eternal kingdom, this eternal feast of God is not somewhere you, where you can be. So how do we get in? Well, it reminded me of my wedding day, which is 10 years ago. And it was a lovely summer's day. And just before we had our wedding meal, everyone was milling about on the grass. And then it came the time for people to have, sit down and have the meal. And what happened was that every single person came up to the entrance to the room and they were greeted by Catherine and I. We embraced them. We welcomed them in. And you see, this person in the parable, they've snuck in another way and they're wearing the wrong thing. And they're not, it's not appropriate for them to be there. If we want to come into Christ's kingdom, we need to come and be embraced by Christ, first of all. But you know what happens? Because I've said all of, us, all of us are in our sinful rags. That's how we're dressed. We've messed up. We've got it wrong. But as we approach this groom, this Jesus, this king, and we're dressed in this way, you know what the cross of Jesus Christ is about? It's where Jesus Christ exchanges his royal wedding garments for our rags of sin. And so as we approach him, as we come to him with our need and with our sin, an exchange takes happen. We are embraced by Jesus, but not just embraced by him. He says, take my robe, take my royal robe. I'll take your rags. That's what the cross is about. He takes our rags. He gives us his righteousness. And he says, come and sit down in my wedding feast. And our place has got our name on it. 
and we're appropriately dressed in our righteousness. Do you see the grace? Did you notice the grace of God in that passage? When that invitation goes out, some people are rejecting the invitation. Everyone else gets invited. He said, both the good and the bad. It's not about if you're good enough to get in. The good and the bad are invited because you come through Christ. You need to be embraced by him. But as you are, he makes you right. Whoever we are, we can come to Christ today. We can be embraced by the king. He asks us to give up our own kingdom and come and join his kingdom and enjoy the feast that's laid out on his table. I want to invite us right now to do just that, to come to Jesus. Maybe you, maybe you need to do this for the very first time. You've, you've given up on pursuing your own kingdom. You want to come to Christ and his kingdom. Why don't you pray with me? I'll lead you in a prayer. Pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I realize today I need you. I need your kingdom. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life building my own kingdom. Jesus, forgive me. I thank you for the cross. And I put my trust in you that you would clothe me in your righteousness and take away my rags of everything I've done wrong. And I come to you in Jesus' name, amen.